Yes, I'm back. But only for two episodes. Then I'm off to another adventure, only to return when COVID-34 breaks out. This episode is going to get really uncomfortable. But I ask you to stick with me. I'm going to tell you a story about someone. You'll be blown away to learn who it's about. Spoiler alert, it's Gary. Gary Webster. You know, he got stranded on an island with eight hot babes and was bitten by a radioactive spider, but... Uh, oh, wait, that's that's horrors of Spider Island. Okay, it's not Gary. It's about me. Bet you didn't see that one coming. So when I was growing up, I, like, like most people, had certain beliefs forced on my young, still-developing mind. Things like, all men are created equal. Women can do anything men can do. A watched carny never chokes on a corn dog. I wasn't really taught religion, but I was taught in ways that would make white, non-Middle Eastern Jesus proud. I didn't steal. Well, except for that one time I stole a Matchbox car. I only occasionally lied, especially if I was going to get in trouble. And I tried to treat everybody as I would like to be treated, but frankly, no one ever seemed to return the favor. So I'm a white individual. Probably too white. Like, dude, vitamin D, it's a thing, get some! Whiter than steamed rice cooked by Paula Deen eaten by Tommy Wiseau on the West Coast Wall. Whiter than caller number five to win Florida Georgia line tickets while driving an F-350 dually with a Confederate flag in the rear window. Uh, okay, maybe not that white. I attended an all-white elementary school, and I mean all-white. We didn't even have Asians or obvious Latinos in my school. I think around the seventh grade we had two new ethnic arrivals, a single black male and an unrelated Asian female. This is all just to point out that I was really surrounded by white people most of my early life. Where, where am I going with this? What does this have to do with the title of the show? Well, I'd like to ask a controversial question and provide an even more controversial answer. What do we, American white people, really know about black people? So black people originated in Africa. They, uh, they have more melanin in their skin, so that makes them more suitable to the unforgiving sun in that region. Yaddy, 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 yaddy. Years later, a bunch of ships with white people on them arrived in Africa. Now, those white people traded goods with black people there for black slaves. Their own people sold them into slavery. Those slaves were taken all over the world, but largely to North and South America. Millions of blacks worked as slaves for over 200 years in America until the Civil War abolished slavery, at which point they were free to do what they wanted to, earn whatever living they wanted, this maybe didn't start very smoothly, but eventually laws and amendments were passed and blacks were afforded the same rights as white people. Let's say this started with the passing of the 15th Amendment in 1870. But you could probably more correctly choose the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So from this point on in our history, blacks and whites are legally equal in the eyes of the law. They're equal and thus everyone should be treated the same. But is everyone really equal? Are we all the same? Some are better at sports. Some are better at math. Some are better at music. Some are better at tediously sorting their collection of toenail clippings by size. Some are better at sculpting the hair around a taxidermied cat's anus. So when you get right down to it, we're not really equal. It's a good catchphrase, but it doesn't match reality. So should we treat everybody the same? Well, I mean, I know people that are jerks, and I don't treat them with the same respect as I treat my friends. Um, I know I treat my loved ones better than I treat my coworkers. So we really don't treat everyone the same, and we all seem to be fine with that. But it is at this point in history that legally we must treat blacks and whites the same. They have the same rights. They are now allowed to do anything we can do. So if there's any differences between them, what would be the cause? Could it be that, while legally equal, in reality there are some differences between the races? I'm not just talking whites and blacks. I mean, all of them. I mean, on average, whites tend to be more affluent. 
there's fewer unemployed white people, which makes sense because whites tend to have a higher education, which leads to better jobs. There's more black people on welfare. I mean, why is that? Can't, can't they keep a job? They, they can go to school and learn to do things just like we can do. And, I, and I've seen some studies, though, that say that blacks are at least a standard deviation less intelligent than whites. There's significantly fewer white people in jail than black people. And blacks commit violent crimes much more often than whites, especially against their own kind. There's significantly more drugs in black communities. And they even teach their kids to sell drugs. It's kind of like the same thing where in Africa they teach them, teach kids to, to carry a fully automatic weaponry to go terrorize their own kind in other villages. They won't let us use the N-word, but they use it all the time. They can't speak proper English. I mean, sometimes can they even understand themselves? Okay, I am not a racist, but it seems to me they blame all their troubles on others. Especially, still blaming whites for slavery, which was over 150 years ago. I was never a slave owner. Maybe if black people would stop bringing up racism and just shut up about it, they'd see that that particular problem has been largely solved. Leave it in the past and take responsibility for your own actions. Want fewer shooting of black men? Stop running from the cops when they pull you over and ask you questions. You're taking your own life in your hands when you do that. Get an education so you can get a good job so you don't have to turn to a life of crime. Then maybe you'll get more respect from white people, which raises another issue. Why do we even want to integrate these two races? Historically, they've never co-mingled. They have distinct cultures. Why are we trying to force these two together? It's like getting oil and water to mix. I mean, we keep hearing about racial tension in America. Well, you know, there's one surefire way to solve that. When you come right down to it, wouldn't it be better for everyone if they really did just go back to Africa? I mean, can America just admit its mistake of slavery and correct it in the most obvious way? <sighs> okay. Okay. I have to say, I do not feel any of the things that I just said are true. Okay? <laughs> Let me get that out of the way. However, that is a common narrative I've heard throughout my life, and I'm ashamed to say I did hold some of those beliefs until well into my adult life. What I want to address in this episode, one that pulled me out of a 13-year retirement and one that I've been contemplating for at least eight years, despite the fact that this one seems particularly well-timed, is the very real and pervasive idea that the vast majority of white people in America think racism is a mostly solved problem, think that they're not racist, when in fact they are. And it is precisely that which is keeping racism alive and well in 2020. Now, I, I don't think most white people are overtly racist. I mean, certainly I wasn't. Most white people are not going to do anything to directly harm a black person. However, there's this, this persistent notion that I'm not a racist. Civil war ended slavery. The laws say blacks and white are equal. Why are they repeatedly bringing it up? Then combine this with the occasional tasteless jokes denigrating blacks, the comments about them dressing like thugs, their poor speech, and feeling uncomfortable when you realize that you're the only white person in the room. Um, so let's try a short experiment. I I'm going to have somebody say two statements to you. I like strawberry ice cream. Black lives matter. When you heard the first sentence about ice cream, did, did you assume anything about how that person feels about other ice cream flavors? Did you think she dislikes butter pecan or, or vanilla or chocolate? I'm, I'm going to assume not. When you heard Black Lives Matter, did you think, no, all lives matter, or blue lives matter, or maybe just, hey, wait a minute, white people matter too? My experience with white people is that a fairly large percentage of you did. Granted, my audience is probably a little more progressive than average. So 
Nothing was said about other ice cream flavors, nor did she mention anything about other races. As for black lives, she just said they matter. She didn't say black lives matter more or only black lives matter. If you take that statement to say anything about other races, then that's your bias showing. The key word in that sentence is matter. I mean, on a, on a scale of it's utterly worthless to it's totally amazeballs, the word matter falls squarely on the, hey, don't disregard this. I mean, Merriam-Webster's defines it as to be of importance, not to be more important. And therein lies the problem. Black people try to assert that they are also important. Specifically, that slogan was to draw attention that some white people are killing unarmed black men with little or no justification. And immediately, self-proclaimed non-racist whites have to make it about themselves. You're so vain. You probably think the shooting's about you, don't you? Speaking of killing unarmed black men, hey, have you noticed that seems to be on a rise lately? Certainly you've repeatedly heard about and seen videos of some black guy being questioned by white police, and the, and the video ends up with the black man dead. I mean, in some of those videos, he, he attempts to flee the scene first, and in others, he just gets choked to death. And dear God, I wrote that line before the George Florida incident in Minnesota. I was actually referring to Eric Garner. Um, I'll say something more on that later. But I've been wanting to do this episode for over eight years, so... Early this year in my home state of Georgia, two civilian white guys shot a black guy jogging just because they assumed he robbed some house based on absolutely no evidence. And they would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for the meddling internet. And they, they still may, actually. Um, so, when I was first learning to drive, something I directly remember my dad saying, Son, you don't actually get points for running over hookers or the elderly. But more importantly, he said, Son... If you ever do get pulled over by the cops, do not reach for your wallet and keep your hands visible at all times. Don't you remember when your parents told you that? Wait, they, they didn't? Mine neither. I've been pulled over by cops and stopped at traffic stops a few times, and the first thing I do is reach for my wallet. I mean, I've never given it a second thought. They're going to ask for my license, so I'm just going to speed things along and help to be in compliance. Black children, in particular black boys are actually taught at a young age to never reach for their wallet and keep their hands visible at all times if a cop approaches your car. That's because the cop may misinterpret that gesture as reaching for a gun and he may shoot you. Think about that depressing conversation for a moment. Imagine telling your child, as your parents told you, that the people who are supposed to protect you might kill you simply for doing what you know they're going to ask you to do, but you didn't wait for permission. Good God. White people don't ever have to worry about that. When I was a teenager, I mean, I had a very bad yet unearned reputation because of my appearance. And my, my parents were very much aware of that, and they never told me anything other than be respectful to cops. No warnings. Meaning, I looked like I was up to no good, and my white parents never thought to warn me that cops might think I'm a threat. I mean, it was a moot point. I I'm white. What are they going to do? If you look at the number of shootings of unarmed black men and compare that to the number of shootings of unarmed white men, and which I can only find a few, um, it tells me that uh, clearly black people are more dangerous than white people. I mean, clearly we should just shoot them on sight because obviously it's them or us. Why else would so many cops shoot them? The cops feel they're in mortal danger. I mean, from that guy that's not holding a gun in their face or that guy that's on the ground with your knee in his neck um okay they're they're not armed and they're not in a position to really hurt the cop 
I mean, well, but come on. I mean, Eric Garner was selling single cigarettes. I mean, when Dejera Becton, who thankfully wasn't shot, was slammed to the ground and a cop jammed his knee into her back, I mean, she deserved it. She was about to go to a pool party that she was invited to. How dare her? Walter Scott had a bad taillight. I mean, if I can work hard and pay for a car that immediately tells me when a taillight is out and then I immediately replace it, so can everyone. I mean, if we allow people with blown taillights to, to live and continue breathing, what kind of world is that? I mean, I mean, sure, you can say that they pulled him over in an auto parts store parking lot, but how do we really know he was intending to go inside and purchase a replacement brake light? I mean, why didn't he just have Amazon Prime send it directly to his house? That way he wouldn't have had to dangerously venture onto the road with only one fully functioning brake light. I mean, only one. I mean, if I had been behind him and he had applied his brakes, I might not have noticed the one fully functioning brake light and rear-ended him. I mean, he deserved to be shot in the back five times. Botham Jean was shot in his own apartment because an officer entered what she thought was her apartment, only to find a strange man there being menacingly dark. Totally justifiable. Someone in your home, kill him. Oops, my bad. Wrong apartment, dude. Sorry, you're dead. Charles Kinsley was shot while lying on the ground with his hands in the air. I mean, clearly in the video, the cop tells him to lie on his stomach, but he was lying on his back. I mean, sure, the cops were easily more than 50 feet away from him, but while on his back, with his hands in the air, at any moment, he might have waved him like he just don't care. I mean, if I were a cop, I know I'd feel threatened and justified in using lethal force in such a situation. Thankfully, he didn't die. Feel free to look up any of those videos of those people. I mean, if you feel like being sick. I have a few things to say on the shooting of unarmed black men thing. Um, so... My first issue with these shootings is that they're using lethal force. I mean, I don't care if the suspect is a drug dealer, a burglar, or an illegal importer of G.I. Joe DVDs. Why are you using lethal force on them? I mean, if you don't have cause to believe the person is going to kill you right then and there, or you are not justified in using lethal force. I don't care what they did. Think about it. Is it justifiable to kill somebody who sold single cigarettes? I mean, that is illegal, but... Does smoking pot warrant a death sentence? Is it a capital offense to sell drugs? Is it a capital offense to trespass? No, none of these are capital offenses. In many of these incidents, yes, the police think the person committed some crime, but none of them justify death. And also, what, what about due process? They're suspects, not convicts. Also, okay, in many cases, the black man runs for it. Yeah, okay, okay that's bad, that's bad. But does running from the cops which in my opinion constitutes a complete lack of imminent threat as the person is going away from you, justify killing the suspect. Order, order. Now, Officer Dewey, will you please explain the imminent threat you felt when the suspect ran away from you? The suspect turned away from me and started running. His arms were clearly pumping up and down, so he couldn't have possibly been reaching for any kind of hidden weapon on his person. But it was at that point... I was overwhelmed with fear, as I had just watched Alien the previous night. What if a chestburster evolved into a backburster? A toddler xenomorph might erupt from the suspect and hurl itself at me. It was at that point I decided the safest thing for me, our city, and our great country was to stop this alien invasion immediately. So I shot the suspect in the spine eight times. While the autopsy showed no alien inside the suspect, we can only assume it's still on the loose, perhaps seeking another black man as a cocoon to continue its growth. 
You know, there's this show called Cops. Uh, I can't say I'm really a fan, but in high school I had to sit through more than a few episodes with friends' houses. Um, I, I recall many, many, many times where the suspect fled and the cops chased them. Um, imagine if instead they just pulled out their gun and shot the person. I mean, yeah, the person is committing a crime, but does it justify killing them? He was drunk and yelling at his wife. I had to shoot him. And he might have tried to sell someone an unboxed cigarette. We don't see this kind of lethality used against white people. I mean, I literally just saw a post of a white guy brandishing a knife or something directly at two cops, and they didn't even draw their weapons. I mean, this imminent lethal force is reserved exclusively for brown people. Second, okay, so some of the black men do run, okay? I'm going to speculate something. I've seen enough of these videos to know that often they get shot even when they're completely complying with the cop, or the cops just start choking them and don't let up. I mean, I, I can totally understand the fear a black man might have, thinking, this cop may kill me. Maybe I should just run. I mean, it's, it's not a question of, I'm going to go to jail for some crime. It's, I might die. Right here. Let me try to escape. If you felt someone might kill you, wouldn't it be reasonable to try to escape? The fact that you're dealing with a cop justifies running even more because you know they can get away with it. Running is a form of resisting arrest. Resisting arrest is not the same as attacking. The key word is resisting. It's not called antagonizing arrest. I mean, I've seen numerous examples of resisting arrest where the cops were absolutely in no danger whatsoever. For my third point on shootings, um, I have a lot of respect for most cops. They do a dangerous job and are frankly underpaid for it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not making a blank statement that cops are bad. But everyone has to admit that there are some bad, racist cops. We've seen them. We know they're there. This is the part where a law enforcement agent or a politician states that every department has a few bad apples. Oh my god, I've heard this so many times. And what really frustrates me the most, I mean, beyond having corrupt cops, is that the full saying of this is... A few bad apples spoils the whole bunch. This is a real phenomenon. This is when, when an apple gets bruised, it releases a chemical, uh, ethylene, I think, or something. Um, and that triggers other apples to go bad. So you're quoting a saying that effectively means you acknowledge you have bad cops and that they are spoiling the entire department. And I guess that makes sense, because if you know you have them, why the hell don't you get rid of them? I mean, if you're not going to get rid of them, then you have corrupt leadership. If you have corrupt leadership, seems difficult for the entire department not to be corrupt. I mean, it seems like an odd justification for this. An acknowledgement that it exists, and it goes all the way to the top. Um, not sure that's what you meant. Fourth on this point. This is not something white people worry about. I mean, we are not afraid of cops. This is... This is a clear, statistically proven bias that cops have towards black people. By definition, if you feel like your life is in danger simply because you're interacting with an unarmed black man, then you're afraid of black men. You feel your life is in danger. You're afraid only of black people because you don't behave this way around white people. Last on this point, this shooting of unarmed black men thing, um, it's, it's, it's not a new phenomenon. This has been going on for decades. What's different? Well, uh, we all have cameras on us at all time, and YouTube and Facebook exist. 
Nothing has changed. It's just that now white people are able to see that it's happening. Black people have been saying this for years, so much so that the words police brutality practically became a running racist joke for white people. I mean, until recently, I guess. Okay, this leads me to crime. There are far more white people in prisons than black people. It's about 58% white, 40% black. So, I'm going to use statistics, but uh, I don't think these are disputed statistics if you bother to look them up. According to the Federal Bureau of Prisons, 45% of inmates are there for drugs. The next highest offense rate is weapons, explosives, and arson, and that's at just under 20. So, most people are in prison for drugs, not murder or violence. Drugs. And blacks are four times as likely to be arrested for drug-related offenses than whites, despite the fact that the same percentage of white people and black people use drugs, and by the way, there's more white people. So why is that? Um, are you aware that the war on drugs was started by Richard Nixon in 1971? His own policy chief, uh, John Elrickman, I don't know if I got that right, um, he later admitted it was started by Nixon so that Nixon could target the anti-war groups and black people. Nixon felt those groups were politically against him. So that pretty much straight up legalizes racism, right? Um, Side note, uh, I find it interesting that pot is now being legalized in many states now that rich white people realize they can make money on it. Uh, Not sure why that took so long. Um... But does the war on drugs actually legalize racism? Well, not really. I mean, it is selectively enforced against black people. But, uh, you know something that does legalize racism? Redlining. Redlining started in the 1930s with the National Housing Act, and it directly segregated whites and blacks by only allowing black people to move into certain areas. And they were always the less desirable areas. I mean... The really important part here is that because they were less desirable places, few businesses existed there. In addition, blacks were were already poor, so there's no growth in these areas. Less taxes get collected in these areas, which means the schools are less equipped to teach their black students. This started a trend preventing black people from acquiring wealth. You see, a common way to gain wealth is through real estate. You buy a house in a good area. Its value goes up. You sell it and make a profit. Maybe you repeat this many, many times. Uh, Eventually, maybe you downsize, so your last sale gives you a huge profit. Uh, You die, and you pass your home on to your children. Bam! They inherit wealth from their parents. But in this one method of getting wealthy, if you don't buy a house in a good area, regardless of your color, the value doesn't go up. Maybe if you move, you sell at a loss. You have to downsize. So your house is worth even less you're not moving in the right direction. The schools for your children are struggling and can't attract good teachers, a profession that already struggles with low salaries. Why work for a school that's going to pay you even less? I mean, there's fewer businesses in the area, so less opportunity for jobs. It's a very real downward spiral that has made some of the poorest areas in our country black neighborhoods. And it was all explicitly done by the U.S. government. That's why the races are mostly separate today. Not because of some inherent incompatibility. You think that was bad legalized racism? Hold my beer, says America. In 1932, the United States Public Health Services conducted a clinical trial. They enrolled hundreds of black men to study syphilis over six months. Now, the men weren't told they had syphilis, and the doctors gave some of them placebos. These men were just left to decay as syphilis blinded them, made them go deaf, suffered heart problems, and some just died. Penicillin was around then and known to cure syphilis, but the doctors 
didn't give black men penicillin. Instead, they gave them other, less helpful things so they could study how their bodies reacted. In addition, the doctors prevented the black men from getting treatment from reputable medical facilities. And if that wasn't bad enough, while this study was intended to only last six months, it continued for 40 years. It wasn't until 1972 that this was shut down, and even then that was only because some information leaked about it to the press. During this entire time, black men suffered from a disease that they didn't even know they had, and was they passed it on to women who sometimes passed it on to their newborn children. And again, all of this was done by a U.S. government agency. This is known as the Tuskegee Syphilis Experiment. Look it up. If you've ever heard that black people don't trust doctors, this is why! I mean. This isn't some, oh, that was 150 years ago. No, the mothers and fathers, or at least grandmothers and grandfathers of the black people around today saw this happen. It's not ancient history. This happened on my parents' watch. I mean, not that I blame them. They, they had nothing to do with this. They were busy listening to Beatles, launching the Tet Offenses, singing the Green Acres theme song, and something from the 60s. Um, anyway... So, I've been rambling forever now about racism. What, what, what is my point? Um, so, I'm sure most of my listeners agree racism exists and is bad. So, back to one of my earlier statements. I think the average white person is the main problem. I'm saying there's a lot of people that don't think they're racist, and yet they are. I mean, you don't, you don't have to call someone the N-word or be a total Karen by calling the cops on a black guy who's only bird-watching in the park or using a grill. I mean, I'm sure you don't beat up black people. But consider, you, you, might, might, just might, have some racist thoughts. Just, just consider it. Let me say that uh, I never thought I was a racist. But some things happened in my life that made me truly analyze my thoughts. And I came to the very unsettling conclusion that I was a racist. Um, again, not the cross-burning N-word using racist, but racist nonetheless. Now, my listeners are a little more progressive, but uh, yeah, I'm saying if you're a white American listener, you're, you're most likely a little bit racist. Like me. I mean, yes, I'm calling my listeners racist, but I'm calling myself that too. I'm a recovering racist. At any moment, I could fall off the bandwagon and start waving a Nazi flag and repeat my uncle's jokes about the ancient tribe of the Motisas and the Hodidos. Um, so, uh, I'm going to list some scenarios here that, uh, that, that might, might, just might, might be an indicator of some racist tendencies. So, would you feel comfortable with an unknown black person in your home? I mean, you know, I mean, with you there, like a salesman or a contractor or a cleaning person, something like that. I mean, would you feel uncomfortable if that person was white? If you're in a normal part of town, I mean, an area that's not known for crime, and you see a black guy there, you know, he, maybe he's wearing a hoodie or he's got saggy pants or gold teeth or much chains on or something like that, do you think you should avoid him or at least keep an eye on him? Does the word thug suddenly pop into your mind? Have you met someone professionally that unexpectedly turned out to be black and, and immediately thought they weren't going to do a good job or weren't going to give you a fair break? This painter's black. He's going to do a lousy job on my kitchen. Ugh, that black delivery guy sees I've got a 60-inch television. He's casing my joint. I'm being interviewed by a black man. I'm sure he's looking for a way to take his anger out on my white ass. Have you ever seen a black person and I immediately thought they must be poor? I mean, I'm sure you're justifying it based on what they were wearing, but how often do you even bother to judge a white person's wealth on sight? 
Have you ever found yourself listing reasons why certain types of black people aren't suitable for something? I'm not racist, but I wouldn't want one of those black people with their saggy pants and gold teeth looking after my children. I mean, basically, do you justify your dislike of certain black people who have some trait? I mean, do you ever do that for white people? I mean, I wouldn't want one of those insider trading pharmaceutical CEOs near my kids. Actually, by the way, I wouldn't want one of those people near my kids um, if I had them. Wait, 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 wait. Do you ever use the phrase, I'm not racist, but? I mean, if you say that, you're racist. I mean, no one says, I'm not racist, but there's a thunderstorm in my uterus. I mean, it's always followed by something incredibly racist. Sorry, I'm, I'm a guy, so I can only come up with female examples here, but do you think Halle Berry, Beyonce, and Whitney Houston are attractive? But not Viola Davis, Denai Guerrera, or Lashana Lynch? In case you don't know those last three. Viola was the, the black major in Ender's Game, Denai was General Okoye of Wakanda, and Lashana was Captain Marvel's best friend. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to use examples that I think my audience would be aware of. I, I'm assuming none of you watch How to Get Away with Murder. Um, I know I don't. I mean, you are certainly allowed to define beauty however you choose, but are you narrowing that for only whitish features? If so, you're missing out on an entire world of beautiful, full-lipped brown women. I mean, I, I don't see how anyone doesn't agree that Lupita Nyong or Kerry Washington is attractive. If I had a dollar for every racist thing I said, a black guy would probably rob me. Did, did, did you think that was funny? Um, a better joke is, what do you call a black man that's been hit by a bus? An ambulance, you racist. Jokes are a gray area. I mean, even black people laugh at some racist jokes. But then some of them aren't just a poke at stereotypes. They're clearly intended to denigrate and dehumanize black people. I mean, there's the one about the guy that only uses guns to shoot cans. Africans, Mexicans, Puerto Ricans. Okay, that's clearly hostile. Have you ever assumed a random black person was a store clerk, but they didn't actually work there? That's happened to Obama. Would you be uncomfortable or bothered if a black family moved next door to you? What if they mostly wore jeans and oversized football jerseys and gold chains? I mean, have you heard about an unarmed black person being killed by police and thought it was justified? So honestly, ask yourself those questions. You might be surprised to learn you're a little racist. I mean, when I asked myself those same questions... I learned I was a racist. I, I've since worked hard to correct that. And to be fair, we're surrounded by it. We're taught this. I mean, it's, it's probably not your fault that you're this way. It is your fault if you don't address it now that it's been pointed out. I truly believe the ma majority of white Americans have these kinds of low-level racist thoughts. I mean, I've been surrounded by y'all. I'm in, I'm in the club. I know the secret handshake. There's this inner belief that we don't like to admit that we do think white people are a little superior to black people. And I think that is the single biggest problem with overcoming real racism in this country. Why do I think it's that significant? Because it allows us to easily justify the true racism committed by true full-on white racists every day. I mean, it allows you to justify the, the cop shooting that black guy. He ran! He was suspected of drugs. It, it allows you to not be concerned that a bunch of black people were denied voting because they didn't have the proper ID. I got a driver's license. Why don't they? It allows numerous racist laws to be passed to this day and accept the flimsy justifications when it's clearly targeting minorities. 
It allows you to justify why you didn't hire that completely qualified black person. You didn't like his shoes or his hair was all nappy. Not professional. Along those lines, it allows you to intentionally interpret equal employment opportunity in the dumbest way possible. So, I gotta hire this unqualified black woman over this better qualified white man, otherwise I'll be a racist? No! That doesn't make any sense. That's not what that's about. Equal opportunity is about not hiring an underqualified white person when a fully qualified person of color is available. You're free to hire the best qualified people. It just means you should seriously consider non-white applicants. I mean, if you knowingly choose to hire an unqualified person, you're either a dumbass or you're trying to intentionally sabotage the law. Maybe both. Racist jokes are a way of normalizing bias and hatred and dehumanizing blacks. All while just trying to appear to be, hey, I'm just trying to be funny. These racist tendencies cause you to hear complaints about racism and think that it's a solved issue. So why is it being brought up yet again? I mean, as I hope I've demonstrated, it's still very much alive and well, and you're part of the problem. Not in a, you're not part of the solution, so you're part of the problem. No, no, if you have these slightly racist tendencies... You're actively part of the problem. You would not tolerate this if it was against a white person. I mean, or if you did, you'd pick some terrible example based off of just white standards. I mean, I wouldn't hire a guy with a mohawk, so it's reasonable I wouldn't hire a black guy with cornrows. <sighs> okay, the difference is that in the white community, a mohawk is not professional, and it's also pretty rare. But cornrows and many other hairstyles are completely common in the black community. We've just justified that it's weird to us, so we don't like it. Hair, by the way, is actually a huge issue in the black community. I mean, they have very different hair with very different needs, and they have used it as a form of expression beyond how white people do. It's also a sore spot among many of them because they feel like they have to conform to white standards of hair. I mean, oh, 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 that's another racist test. Um, are you put off by their hair? Oh, and never ask a black person if you can touch their hair. Let's say you asked yourself these questions and concluded, like I did, Oh my god, I'm a little bit racist. What do I do? I feel so ashamed. So what I think is great about America is that it's the land of the free. You have the opportunity to be the best version of yourself you can be, if you're white. And wouldn't the most American thing to do be to stand up for all those freedoms that American soldiers died for? And what does stand up for freedom mean? To literally erect oneself vertically for freedom? Hell no. It means ensure that everyone has that same freedom. Well, historically maybe not, but uh, but but this is an opportunity to recognize freedoms are being denied to your fellow Americans. That's an injustice we can't abide by. Okay, forgive the southern accent, but but some of my best friends are southerners, so it's okay. The first thing you can do is recognize this racism when you see it. Recognize that you're having a totally unjustified thought about somebody. Recognize someone else is making a really inappropriate racist comment. And then say something. More people need to know this behavior is unacceptable. True racists should feel like they have to hide. The second thing you can do is realize that exposure is key. You need to be around some black people. Your kids definitely need to be around some black people. And you're going to learn that since we've made a pretty concerted and successful effort to isolate them, that, uh, yeah, they, they have some cultural differences. Uh, some of them may be disturbing. The, the, the less said about chitlins, the better. 
But uh, but overall, I mean, they're people. They laugh, they cry, they have the same basic aspirations as whites. I mean, live, love, eat barbecue chicken, getting what you get for a brick to talk greasy. Side note, how, how did fried chicken become a negative connotation to black thing? I mean, excluding vegetarians, who the hell doesn't like fried chicken? So, so when I say expose yourself to black people, A, I don't mean flash or wang, and B, I mean more than just one person. I mean, you're not going to learn anything just hanging around the one black guy in the room. Instead, no, no, you need to make some friends where you're the only white person in the room and you're probably going to feel pretty uncomfortable at first. The third thing you can do is stop thinking, it's not me, I didn't own any slaves. No, no one said you did. Um, honestly, I, I don't think many black people are trying to hold you responsible for that. Uh, I'm sure some are, but mostly you're being held responsible for allowing racism to continue. Slavery is only brought up repeatedly because it's the undeniable beginning of where a whole lot of bad racial things started in this country. And even though slavery was abolished, the, the idea that blacks are inferior to whites has continued to be actively promoted, and slavery's repercussions are still felt over 150 years later. And while only a select few can actually make change on the following, um, we, we need to get rid of our bad racist cops. I mean, I can only interpret the fact that so many of them are still on the street, is that we as a society... We're mostly okay with them killing black men. I mean, because if this were white boys and girls getting killed, there would be immediate repercussions. I know many, if not most, police training involves de-escalation techniques, but uh, honestly, that needs to be a much bigger focus. I mean, in fact, everything else should be considered last resort. I, for one, would like to see a national registry for anyone in law enforcement that gets cited for certain crimes like shooting somebody who is absolutely not a threat and, and, and other corrupt activities. With the ultimate goal of this being preventing that bad cop from getting fired and then just simply going two towns over where he or she can continue the horrible behavior. I'd love for this to be used to prevent anyone on this list from getting any type of job that utilizes any type of deadly force weapon. For the record, I'm not attacking good cops, and I understand there is a long, complex history of a brotherhood where you look out for each other. And I also understand that in your job, you probably do see the worst black individuals out there, so you start to associate that with all blacks. But, but man, you can do better. I mean, you seem to do fine with white people, and there's some pretty horrible white people in the world. I'm looking at you, Screlly and Sacklers. So you've, uh, you discovered you're a little racist. Should you feel guilty? Well, uh, a little, yeah. Um, but, but only so much that it makes you recognize your racist tendencies and, and stop them. Other than that, recognize that, uh, unfortunately, you're, you're probably a product of your time, and this probably is how you were raised by people who were a product of their time, and that's how they were raised, and uh, that, that's how it happened to me, anyway. Um, we can't help some of those things, but we can control whether or not we correct the behavior once we're aware of it. What about reparations? That's a, uh, that's a very tough question that uh, I'm not qualified to answer. I will say that I think some form of monetary payoff would be a mistake. I mean, uh, A, many white people would just really resent that. And B, many black people would think that that would be a way for white people to use their privilege to just uh, officially declare racism solved. You know, that we would be able to point to that and go, look, we paid you, now shut up and never bring it up again. And uh, honestly, I think absolutely that would happen. <laughs> we do that and nothing would be solved. I think you could do certain things that would be seen by whites as an unfair advantage for blacks, and uh, 
Frankly, I'm okay with that. I mean, we've disadvantaged them for so long, it's time to tip the scales. And I'm merely thinking about things like making it easier for blacks to start businesses and get educations, things like that. I mean, but, but honestly, I, I'm far too white to do anything other than be an advocate for change on that one. I've been trying to explain what people mean by systemic racism. It's a very real thing. It has been done very intentionally. And it won't stop until most white people recognize their inner racist. Yes, black people are often poor. We've ensured that. They're often uneducated. We've ensured their schools have as little funding as possible. They don't speak with correct English. Well, we did our best to prevent them from learning how to read, write, and speak. I mean, in some places, it was illegal for blacks to read. By the way, I find this one funny because white people have been using black slang for years. I mean, often it starts as a joke, but but it legitimately works its way into white vocabulary. People regularly say things like, Let's get crunk! Or, There's a party in this his house! But please, please, please stop saying, bust a cap in your ass. I mean, God, only lame white people say that to make lame racial jokes. It might have been funny 25 years ago, but give it a break. Yeah, and there's a lot of white people that are not racist. I get that. But it's been my experience. There's a lot more that are, but think they're not. I mean, you may be one of them. And to make a point, during the entirety of the original run of this show... I was one of those people, and pretty much every white person I knew was too. I mean, so you're in good company, I guess. Black people shouldn't shut up about racism. White people should start really listening about racism. When you think this is solved and say, that was 150 years ago, you should really say, holy crap, how have we not fixed this? It's been 150 years. Okay, I'm almost done. Before I close, I need to address the elephant in the room. Um... I wrote this episode right before George Floyd was killed, and definitely before all the riots erupted. Um, but I hadn't yet recorded it. I strongly considered reworking the episode because of that, but ultimately I decided to leave it alone and just leave what I originally said. I, I added this part, and I inserted one other line somewhere else. You can find that one. There's another one that sounds suspiciously like I changed it, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> so so this may seem very timely, but that was really not intentional. Um like I said, this is an episode I've been wanting to do for the last eight years. Um, I also want to say that almost everyone, black or white, think riots and looting are stupid and, and frankly, doesn't help anyone's cause. Okay, I'm not going to defend that, but I am going to ask you to consider one thing. Try to be empathetic and just recognize unarmed black men who are not a threat have been killed by police for decades. I mean... This is longer than you have been alive. Whatever your age is, it's longer than that. And it doesn't seem like it's going to stop anytime soon. I mean, that should either make you want to cry or send you into a rage. Being pissed is a normal reaction, and humans aren't known for being super rational when emotions run high. So yeah, they're doing some stupid things. They're also really pissed off. I'll end this by quoting King T'Challa. More connects us than separates us. And also, I never freeze. Thank you, and good night. And yes, this is the topic that drug me out of retirement, you racist bastards. <laughs>